This is Cheeseheads in Chicagoland, the best podcast about the Green Bay Packers. I am Mike Fleischman, and today on episode 18, we are ca- recapping Packers' week six game against the San Francisco 49ers at Lambeau Field, a 33-30 victory on a last-second Mason Crosby field goal as time expires in the fourth quarter. Packers move to 3-2-1 and one on the victory. They are 3 and 0 and 1 at Lambeau Field there. 0 and 2 on the road with losses to Washington and Detroit. I am solo for the first part of this podcast. We will be bringing in Matt Mellemsetter after the break, and I've recorded a chat with him, but I got caught in a traffic jam, so we didn't have quite as much time for this recording session as I normally do. So I'm just going to run down the game, give you the basic details before we take a break and go over to Matt Mellemsetter. Also, just for uh, just to keep things interesting and fun, I had a dental surgery yesterday that has left me in a little bit of pain, but the painkillers they are giving me to deal with that situation have put me in a strange headspace. So this episode is probably a little bit strange in the second half, and if I'm sort of tailing off in this first part of it, I want you all to know why. But thank you so much for uh, for listening to Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Cheesecagoland. I'm on Twitter at MP Fleischman. Matt's on Twitter at Mellumsetter. And we have a face group, Facebook group called Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. Tell your friends about our cool podcast. We really appreciate it. All right, let's set the stage for this one. Coming into this game, the Packers are still dealing with a lot of injuries at wide receiver. Randall Cobb still not playing. Geronimo Allison still not playing. At the right guard situation, Justin McCray still out. Byron Bell starting in his place. On the defensive side of the ball, Jair Alexander missing missing action. Bashad Breeland not able to get started. Their free agent signing. So they are coming in without a couple of key contributors on either side of the ball. Kevin King, however, on the secondary did play a full game and came up big late for the for the Packers. Let's run it down, just sort of a drive-by-drive rundown. San Francisco takes the opening kickoff. They start at the 25-yard line. They go seven plays, 75 yards, and four minutes for the touchdown. Marquise Goodwin immediately showing that he can get separation from the Packers secondary. Goodwin is a legitimately good young wide receiver. Matt Breida, uh, right off the bat, is getting getting big holes to run through. Breida is a very good running back. Some good pieces for the San Francisco 49ers. Matt Breida caps off the drive with a three-yard rush. Extra point hit by Robbie Gold, and you're up 7 to nothing. Meanwhile, the Packers come right back on the next drive. Aaron Rodgers on a little play action on the first play. Goes deep to Valdez Scantling. 60-yard pickup. He's out of bounds at the 17. Aaron Jones takes a 17-yard run down to the goal line. And then Ty Montgomery takes it in from the two-yard line for the touchdown. We're tied up at 7-7. On the ensuing kickoff, there is a fumble. It's recovered by Crawford at the San Francisco 34. More on Crawford later. Packers recover that fumble, have a short field to work with. Drive stalls at the 11. Mason Crosby comes in, kicks a 29-yard field goal. Folks, Mason Crosby, perfect in this game. More on him later. San Francisco punts. Green Bay immediately gets it back, goes five plays, 79 more yards for a touchdown. Big pass on this one. 
is a pass to Jimmy Graham that takes it all the way down to the San Francisco 12-yard line. And from there, Devontae Adams catches the touchdown pass, and then Mason Crosby adds, this, adds the extra point. It's 17-7, to but as was happening through this game, San Francisco immediately answers. This was a big, deep pass. Marquise Goodwin takes the takes the uh, takes the pass from C.J. Beathard. Beathard, of course, starting in place of Jimmy Garoppolo, who's out for the season. Beathard looked very decisive in this game. He's clearly a backup quarterback, but he has shown flashes of being good. Arm strength is decent. Accuracy is decent. He makes one or two quick reads and then gets rid of the ball. Exactly what you need from a backup quarterback. San Francisco generally played hard, did a good job playing around him. So at that point, it's 17-14 to 14 Green Bay. Green Bay punts on the next drive. That takes us into the second quarter. Gives it back to the San Francisco 49ers, who immediately fumbled the ball. Uh, Kyle Juszczyk has the ball punched out by HaHa Clinton Dix. It's recovered by Kevin King. Kevin King with an interception and a fumble recovery in this game. Played a great game. Packers get a field goal out of that. So at this point, Mason Crosby is 2 of 2 with two extra points, makes it 20 to 14. But San Francisco again answers it right back. Three plays, 65 yards. Kittle with a nice little screen pass got some yards out out in front of him. Mostert takes a big run and then Marquise Goodwin, second touchdown reception of the game, 30 yards from Beathard and it's 21 to 20. Green Bay punts. San Francisco gets a field goal as time expires in the first half and we go into the locker room 24 to 20 San Francisco up over the Packers. So, second game in a row where the Packers have surrendered 24 points to an opponent in the first half. I mentioned it later as well. 144 points given up by the Packers, 100 of them are in the first half. And then the adjustments come out. Green Bay takes the ball to begin the second half. They go 42 yards downfield. Mason Crosby hits a 51-yard field goal. He's 3 of 3 on the day at that point. Um, So good to see him back. The storyline wrote itself for this game. Mason Crosby, after the awful game against Detroit, coming right back out there, and they needed him today. They got him. That field goal makes it 24 to 23 in favor of the San Francisco 49ers. San Francisco comes back on a nine-play 49-yard drive. That sets up a Robbie Gold 44-yard field goal. Packers get it back punt. And once again, the Niners get it back on a drive that crosses into the fourth quarter. Robbie Gold kicks another 43-yard field goal. So after getting 24 points in the first half, they get six points in the second half to make it 30 to 23. That's the last time that the Niners would score at that point. You have 13.08 left in the fourth quarter. And from there, it becomes the Packers game. They didn't. They did not make it easy, though. Packers get the ball. They go 11 plays, 71 yards. And then turn it over on downs at the four. Aaron Rodgers looking for Valdez Scantling in the end zone. Could not find him. And so you're thinking, oh, heck, here we go. It's 30-23 to in favor of the 49ers. And they've got the ball again with 7.49 left to go. They go three plays for nine yards. Punt. This was a huge 
huge stop uh, by Tremont Williams tackling Pierre Garçon short of the line. Pierre Garçon, a veteran, could not get it. So you punt it back to the Packers, and you think, okay, here we go. But no, they go three and out. They manage to go backwards. And so J.K. Scott has to punt it back to the 49ers with four thirteen left to go. It's 30-23 to 23 Niners. But the defense holds once again. San Francisco goes three and out. Clay Matthews coming up with the crucial sack on third down and 10. Coverage was good. It let Matthews get home. And so from the 11, the Niners have to punt. Give it back to give it back to the Packers. They go four plays, 58 yards for the touchdown. They started up with a uh, a deep strike to Devontae Adams. And then on third and six from the San Francisco 16, Devontae Adams, touchdown pass from Aaron Rodgers. Mason Crosby knocks it through. We're tied up at 30 all. San Francisco gets it back, and this is an interesting idea. San Francisco wants to be aggressive with a minute 55 left in the fourth quarter playing on the road. I get it. Play for the win. Bethard, short pass middle to Kittle for seven yards. Sets up second down and three. Bethard pass incomplete to Pierre Garçon. Knocked down by uh, Nick Perry. And then on third and three, Bethard goes deep looking for Marquise Goodwin. It's a great idea. Goodwin's been torching you all game. But they've got Kevin King on it. Kevin King stepping in front of the ball. Gets, gets turned over, looks over his shoulder, passes a little bit underthrown. Marquise Goodwin kind of outran the pass. Again, this is something that, uh, that bet, it's the difference between Bethard and Garoppolo, I think. Intercepted by Kevin King on a great play. But that gives you, in a tie game, with a minute seven left, you get first and 10 from your own 10-yard line no timeouts, minute seven left, and then Aaron Rodgers does something. First first play is a handoff to Ty Montgomery, 14 yards. Brings it up to the 24. Pass incomplete to Devontae Adams. A delay of game on second down and 10 makes it second down and 15. Pass incomplete to Lance Kendricks. Third down and 15. Aaron Rodgers is sacked for a loss of four yards, you're looking at fourth and 19, but there's a penalty on Richard Sherman, an illegal contact penalty away from where Rodgers was looking to go. So a very strange penalty there. We got we got to see one brief replay. It definitely looked like Rod, like Sherman grabs an arm and turns a receiver. That is illegal contact, five yards. It's like we, what we talked about with the officials. Sometimes a questionable call on a play away from the ball burns you. Sometimes it helps you. Gives the Packers first down and 10 at the Green Bay 24. Aaron Rodgers scrambles up the middle for 21 yards. Clocks the ball with 20 seconds left. They're still on their side of the field at the 45 with 20 seconds left. Second down and 10. Aaron Rodgers short left to Devontae Adams. He gets across the field to the 47 yards of 47 of the Niners. Third down and two. EQ St. Brown with a back shoulder catch along the sideline at the San Francisco 28. From there, you'd be looking at a 45-yard field goal with 15 seconds left. Nah. Aaron Rodgers, first and 10 at the 28, deep left to Adams. pushes Gets pushed out of bounds at the 9-yard line. This is another perfect, perfect ball. Adams just up over top. They're picking on Maven over on the left side. 
all throughout these drives. So from the nine-yard line, Aaron Rodgers tries another quick one to Adams looking for the end zone. Three seconds left. Mason Crosby at the nine. 27-yard field goal. Time expires. Packers win 33-30. to So uh, this was a, a intense game. It had a lot of everything. It had some good deep strikes by both quarterbacks. Had some good defense played. Had some sloppy play by the Niners. Niners aren't the Bills. They're going to be a little bit better than that. They, they took advantage of some of the things that they the Packers gave them, but they turned the ball over twice, surrendered six points to Green Bay, and could only muster six points in the second half. story we've seen for the Packers all throughout this season is the second halves are going better than the first halves. They put a lot of pressure on themselves right now, but 33-30 to is the final score. Packers 3-2-1 and one coming out of it. The 49ers are 1-5. and five. They're going to be okay if they can get Garoppolo back. They've got Breda, who looks like a real player. They have got a great young tight end. They have got Marquise Goodwin, who looks like he could turn into a weapon. Some final stats and numbers in this game. Aaron Rodgers, 25 of 46, 425 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, three sacks for 20 yards. Aaron Jones, 41 yards on the ground. Aaron Rodgers, 34 yards on the ground. Jamal Williams, 29 yards on the ground. Ty Montgomery with 12 yards. Devontae Adams, 10 catches for 132 yards. And both Aaron Rodgers touchdowns. Jimmy Graham, five receptions for 104 yards. MVS, three catches for 103 yards. That's three separate receivers with over 100 yards of receiving yards. Wow, that was a cool painkiller sentence. Three receivers with over 100 yards receiving. I said it twice now, and it was dumb both times. Uh, Lance Kendrick, two catches for 37 yards. EQ St. Brown with one huge 19-yard catch. Jamal Williams got one. Jamon Moore caught one for 10 yards. Ty Montgomery, two receptions for 10 yards. On the other side of the ball, Blake Martinez, 10, 12 tackles, nine of them solo, one tackle for loss. Kenny Clark, seven tackles. Both these guys were huge in the second half. Kyler Fackrell with four tackles, including a really, really good open field tackle on C.J. Beathard when C.J. Beathard was looking to make something happen upfield. Kevin King, Kentrell Bryce, Clay Matthews, Oren Burks, four tackles. Beast Burks played really well in this game. Uh, Clinton Dix, Tremont Williams, Reggie Gilbert with three. And then some other guys down down the uh, the stat sheet with a few less on the other side of the ball. Marquise Goodwin, 126 yards receiving, caught both touchdown passes that Beathard threw. Beathard also threw that pick late in the game to Kevin King that started the Packers' final field goal drive. Raheem Mostert, 12 carries, 87 yards. Matt Breida, 14 carries, 61 yards. Both these guys are really quite good. Matt Breida with one touchdown on the ground. So those are the stats. We are going to take a break. When we come back, we'll get Matt Mellum setter onto the podcast, and we are going to talk about what we saw in this game. Thank you for listening to Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. We are on Twitter at Cheesecagoland. I'm Mike Fleischman on Twitter at MP Fleischman. Matt Mellum setter is on Twitter at Mellum setter. Tell your friends about the podcast. Leave us a review on iTunes or wherever else you get podcasts. We really appreciate it. We love the Green Bay Packers. And coming up next week, I haven't quite worked it out because I've been been busy dealing with some uh, some dental issues and also just general work stuff. We're going to do something fun next week, maybe a little roundtable discussion if I can get a bunch of people into the same room. Just talk about our feelings about the season so far. 
So hopefully something like that is going to happen. There will be an episode next week. Not sure what it's going to be yet. Just uh, leave me to it. I'm going to I'm going to let the painkillers wear off and see where I'm standing standing tomorrow when I get back to work and start putting this stuff together. So uh, yeah, we'll take a break. We'll be back with Matt Mellum Setter. This is Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. We're the best podcast about the Green Bay Packers. Hey, it's Cheeseheads in Chicago, and it's the best podcast about the Green Bay Packers. It's week six, episode 18 of this great podcast. I am Mike Fleischman. That is Matt Mellomsetter. We are in the beautiful Loop Studios of Radio DePaul Sports. We are talking about the Packers' 33-30 last-minute win over the San Francisco 49ers at Lambeau Field. Um, I came in late because traffic is amazing, so... If you're listening to this, assume that I've already sort of run through the the pertinent points of this game, and so we're coming into the uh, the conversational part of this. So <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm just gonna start because uh, we haven't we haven't seen each other since the last recording. How the heck are you, man? I'm good. How are you doing, Mike? I I have had an adventure. Yeah, no, you've it, been on you've been all over the place. Yes. Um, did you know? I'm just gonna put this out there for you. Sure. Did you know that they they have made no advancements in tooth extraction? Really? No. Since ever? Since ever, I oh. don't think. Oh, wow. Um, I, I don't know what I was expecting. I had to have a tooth pulled. It was in a bad way. And they so, brought the Neanderthal in Yeah. to just grab, jaw, rip, yeah. tooth. Yeah. The uh, my, my back molar, so all the way back there, you know, just got to pull it out. Um, My dude just grabbed a pliers <laughs> <laughs> and grunted and yanked. And I was they like. They didn't put you out for this. No, I was fully numb. You were f- like four full- shots of Novocaine. Okay. But like. But eyes still working and eyes watching. Eyes still working. Ears still listening Oh, yeah, and fully lucid. <laughs> Absolutely oh, fully no. lucid. Oh, no. Um, just uh, just as a, a public service announcement yeah. to you, our listeners, please go to your dentist. Yeah. Please yeah. take care of your teeth because you do not want to have them pulled out by a large man with the pliers. And they brought the biggest man possible. He was a very large man. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate the fact that he was he was essentially just like open wide. <laughs> Let's get it over. Yeah. yeah, like didn't give me time to think about it. Yeah. Um, and I oh Jesus Lord. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a deeply, deeply scarring experience. Yeah. It's that you know they. It was very, very fast too. And Good. Like you don't realize you just are feeling this like pull. Like he's trying to pull out, pull out your brain by grabbing onto your jawbone, yeah. and because everything is numbed locally, so it's not like painful. Yeah. But it is. You can ex- still feel it. Yeah. It, it. You can feel it being removed from your mouth, oh. and it doesn't want to come out. No. Um. Uh, so. Did you keep it? Did you take it home in a little glass vial? Oh, good lord! <laughs> I remember that <laughs> Absolutely was uh, not. That was sh- some show and tell from a friend of mine in uh, kindergarten. He brought his. Uh, he got a big tooth pulled and brought it in in a glass sure. vial the next day in some cleaning solution. No, I do not want any evidence around. of the fact that yeah. I have not not really followed through on my dental care the way I yeah. should have for the last two decades. 
Um, but the pills they give you after these, uh, yeah. these procedures are, are effective. <laughs> yeah, they work well, I yes. would hope. So I watched this game. Yeah. I watched this game under the effects of those those pills. Yeah. And I'm, I'm recording this podcast uh, similarly affected now yeah. un- under those those pills. So my thoughts on this are very scattered. <laughs> Great. I hope I can help you yeah, organize you, them. You you were you and I were, were talking yeah on Facebook Messenger throughout throughout this game. You seemed a little bit more like this game didn't bother me because win or lose I was going to you be, be fine. Yeah, I was going to be on <laughs> painkillers. You're going to have a nice time and go off to yeah. sleep really well. Um, yeah, you know, I, I earlier that day I had, I had endured something that uh, you know, just one of those very real things that happened yeah. to you. That, it's all uphill from there. Yeah. Yeah, the whole day was going to get better and and just having having that darn thing out of my mouth is is a marked improvement yeah, good. from uh, from where I was before. So I was feeling fine about this game mm-hmm. and you know the the final moment win was was great. But when I when I think about it from a from a larger perspective, this is this is the Packers season in a nutshell. Yeah. Right yep. here in that they start poorly. Some aspect of their team does not match up well with the team they're playing. Mm-hmm. In this case it was their run defense and particularly in the first half, they they just didn't seem to be able to stop Maparita from going downhill yeah. at any point. And the other parts of the team are then forced to compensate mm-hmm. for it. And fortunately, in in this situation, it was it was the offense being up to the task because the 49ers defense very bad. Yeah, and it sets you up perfectly for a nice come behind win at home, but. It's the same story over and over, Matt, yeah. of uh, of just you get you start these games and it doesn't feel like the Packers have, have quite showed up until they come out at halftime. Yep, and it's, I mean, it's great that we're making good halftime adjustments on both sides of the ball, typically, um, but to come out kind of slow and sputtering, even if in this game, I mean, the offense came out right away and scored, I mean, gave up, defense gives up a 49ers touchdown and then the offense scores next possession, um, correct? Mm-hmm. And so even while we haven't really seen a Packers offense that's been successful in the first half yet this year, this game it was the defense that was struggling out of the gate. Yeah, and, and for for posterity's sake, Jair Alexander is still out. Yep. He's very good, and they miss him a lot. Yeah. Matt Breida is a fantastic running back. Matt Breida is really good. The Niners have a real one right there. Marquise Goodwin is an up-and-coming wide receiver. Mm-hmm. He had, he had an, uh, Marquise Goodwin had a good game. Um, CJ Beathard looked good. I don't trust that he is good, but I think he's a very solid backup. He was very accurate. Yeah. And, and on top of the accuracy, he was exactly what you want in a backup. He was decisive. Yeah. He made decisive throws. He yep. made quick reads and quick decisions. And he took, he took chances on guys. Yes. He put, he put balls up for guys. And when the, when the first read wasn't there, he checked down. He's got a very good tight end. Mm-hmm. There are pieces to this 49ers team. Yeah. Again, this, these are not the Bills. Same yeah. way we talked last week about the Lions are not the Bills. Yeah. The Niners are not the Bills either. No. They are They are a team that, with Garoppolo, would be in contention in a very weak uh, NFC West over yeah. there. But, good grief, the uh, the defense just kind of it's a, it's a stunk thing right it up. Now. Stunk it up in the first half. And for the defense's credit, to give the defense credit, 
really great in the second half. Uh, coming out of halftime, Mike uh, Mike Patton really made kind of the right adjustments um, going forward, switching kind of. We saw a lot of the base defense, but they started to run kind of a more defensive back-oriented uh, lineup in the second half and matching up better. Uh, it They allowed like 111 yards in the second half. It was It was effective and... A good place to be at, and and that's what you need to let to let Aaron Rodgers do his magic. Yeah, yeah. There's again, we talk about the defense in the context of the good performers on this team. Mm-hmm. Blake Martinez is very, very good. Cl- Kenny Clark is very good, and then there are there are guys on this team who are out earning those two guys yeah. by a lot. Yeah, who are just. Just having rough years mm-hmm. right now. Clay Matthews is is having a bad year. Nick Perry is almost completely invisible. Mike Daniels isn't out there. Other than Perry batting down those passes, which you have to like. Yeah, that was that was active hands on the line yeah. of scrimmage. That's a great job from Nick Perry. Uh, we basically the Green Bay Packers basically get no pressure from the outside linebacker linebacking crew. Um, Nick Perry is basically non-existent on pass rushing downs. Uh, Clay Matthews is basically non-existent. On pass rushing downs, we saw Clay Matthews embarrassingly bad attempted at a tackle. Oh, that angle. What? That was a good angle. I don't know what that was. I Clay Matthews has at times looked worthless on a football field this year. He did come up with a important sack. Yep, coverage sack. The, Great coverage. Yeah, which let the, back the, half. the Packers back into it. He he needs to take less snaps. Yeah. Yep. I, I would like to because see. Because when his motor runs, he's fine. Yeah, like it's never never a question about effort, but right now it's just I think it's just a general like strength and speed question mm-hmm. of that. Both of those things are not where they were, and ten years ago, he yeah, played. he still doesn't play. He has not adjusted his play. No, no. to his situation, and you know he the, the depth chart doesn't yield you a lot of other options. Yeah. Reggie Gilbert has um, has been underwhelming compared to what you might have expected out of the preseason. I'm not sure. totally surprised because this is his first major season of action. After two years in the practice squad. I mean, Reggie, yep. Gilbert, has, Reggie Gilbert has struggled on like run defense downs, um, but been pretty okay in the downs that yep. he gets as a pass rusher. Uh, Kyler Fackrell, meanwhile, looks better in the open field than he does as a rusher. Yeah, but that's not saying much. Yeah. Nick Perry doesn't get you much. The inside of the line is still looking for a a the right replacement for for Muhammad Wilkerson who's mm-hmm. done for the year. Uh, what we thought was going to be the strength of this defense has turned into the weakness of this yep. defense just because they get out onto the field in the regular season and it's not happening and it puts it's putting a lot of stress on a very very young or very very old yeah. secondary yeah. and they're actually they're doing well. They're holding their own. Uh, I mean, despite. My sometimes my questions with Haha Clinton Dix's effort um, at times the secondary looks good and has played pretty well, especially when everybody's on the field. I mean, when Jair Alexander's able to play and is on the field, man, secondary looks good and it gives Mike Patton kind of the opportunity to play around with a lot of exotic blitz schemes and to get Bashad Breland into the secondary as well will be another huge uh, landmark. I mean, he's been injured with, an, with a hamstring as long as Jair has these last couple weeks. Um, so hopefully coming out of the bye week, a refreshed secondary, and that could be a huge 
turning up the tides for the Packers defense. No Josh Jones in this game. He has somehow worked his way into the doghouse. Yeah. Which for a guy who has picked as high as he was and who has shown flashes of being as good as he has been at times when he's been on the field to, uh, to end up in the doghouse and to have no, no reporting on what, what reason for that might be. Mm -hmm. And, and not really anything on the field that we can point to and be yeah. like, you know, it's it, this is not a Tony Brown situation. Yeah. Where I mean, Tony Brown's just an undrafted free agent. Like, yeah, he's just just a just a guy who, uh, who whose motor is running in the red far too much. Yeah, and, you know, I he's revving up to eight thousand RPMs yeah, every every play. Yeah, uh, the scary thing is with Brown is that he has been in two games. He has committed two penalties yep. at costly times. Yeah, and. Both of those penalties are because he was in a position to make a play, and then his brain didn't yeah. didn't help him. Yep, which is the scary thing of like you think you've got a guy who could be a playmaker. Yeah, and he he keeps doing this to you. That's that's killer. But Josh Jones, that's a weird thing, and it's not it's not going to get more explicable as the no. season goes and, and, on. We're going to continue wondering about this. We're going to keep wondering where is he and why is he not playing. It's I mean. We knew coming into the season that he wasn't maybe the best on like coverage on the back end, but neither is Kentrell Bryce. Yeah. We knew that coming into the season also, and Kentrell Bryce has a pretty big lack of wheels. Um, we saw Kentrell Bryce get burned again deep this game. Um, it kind of just goes to show that like Bryce can't be left alone deep in coverage. He needs a corresponding free safety like Haha Clinton Dix back equally as far because he just doesn't have the wheels to keep up with wideouts. And, of course, then when your front seven isn't getting pressure, yep. you start to leave. When you leave Bryce on an island, he gets burned. When you leave Clinton Dix on an island, he becomes, like, the rangiest center fielder Yeah, where he just stays stays above everything. Mm-hmm. And, honestly, like, I'm a big defender of HaHa Clinton Dix sure. because I just don't think that when you have him out there on an island and he keeps everything in front of him, he's doing the right thing. Yeah. You know, he's he's preventing the defense from getting all the way burned. Yeah. They're getting mostly burned instead of all the way burned. And he's, you know, he he's never going to be like the A-plus tackler. Mm-hmm. We saw or the A-plus hitter. Yeah. You know, he's a guy who takes good lines to the ball. He's a guy who has good hands. Mm-hmm. You know, we see that when he punches the ball out yeah. on... Uh, on their tight end, whose name I forgot because I'm high. It, I, think, I think it was actually their fullback. It okay, was, on uh, Uzcheck? Uh, yeah, that's how you say it, Kyle Uzcheck. I'm, I'm from northern Wisconsin. Yeah, <laughs> you can, know how to say it. Yeah, I got no problems. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that, sort of, that sort of work by Haha Clinton Dix, that's what he gives you. He's got yeah. good hands, he's got good smarts, he's, in, he's usually in the right position. Mm-hmm. But when it comes up to like, that guy who's coming over the middle and like popping crossing route receivers. No, no, that's not, not that guy. Nope. Not him at all. He is, uh, he's not it, Troy Palomalu. No, and he's got, and it, I mean, he does have the size to be that kind of a guy. Ha Clinton Nix yeah. lines up at about six foot two, 215, 220. I mean, he's a big, strong guy, uh, but that's just not the way he plays. And that's why you, you look to a guy like Josh Jones, where like that guy seems to like to hit. He likes to hit he's people. Big, he likes he's to a pop sure people. tackler. Yeah. He likes to be a little bit closer to the play, but. Uh, nowhere to be seen, and yeah. this is the big, the big thing when you've got a team where Aaron Rodgers is just the best darn quarterback out there right now. Yeah, and when you have a guy who's like that, you know, you, you evaluate the rest of the team based on like why aren't you putting Aaron Rodgers in a position to win Super Bowls? Yeah. Which is why 
Whereas, like, if you take Aaron Rodgers out of the picture on paper, you wouldn't be... A lot of these guys are guys you wouldn't be expecting to be great right now. No. Because oh. this team is alternately too old or too young. Yes. There are too few guys right in the middle. Yeah. There's too few guys at age 27, 28 in the middle of their prime and too many guys aged 22, 23 or 35, 36. <laughs> yep. And we saw that uh, on a few routes with Tremont Williams covering guys where he just looks three steps slow. Did you hear the, uh, the they call him Boog? Boog. On the Monday night uh, announcer crew. No, I didn't hear that. Boog sits in like a box on like field level oh. that like goes yeah, side yeah, yeah, to yeah. side. He decided that there was a new Packer named Tremaine Williams. Oh, good. He for called him. him Tremaine Williams three different times. Wow. And, you know, in my state, that was really important to me, like yeah. during the game. Make One, notes. because like I make notes. Tremaine Williams. Yeah. <laughs> like there's a new guy like Tremaine Williams. It, it drives me nuts when uh, when guys at the national level don't know names and reinvent names. Yeah, and uh, he also said that Aaron Rodgers needed to pull a rabbit out of his head. Nope, no, no, <laughs> that's no. not the saying. Nope, that's not it. If he did that, it'd be real special. Mm-hmm. It would be even more special than if he pulled it out of his hat. Yeah, yeah. If you can pull a rabbit out of your head, I mean, that's coming out of the ear hole. That's just that's a subversion <laughs> yeah. of the quarter trick. His ear hole, if we're lucky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It brings that that question of of these guys who are either too young or or too old brings me around to the offense, mm-hmm. where again, the the talk in Packerland and I've I've harped on it already is Aaron Jones looked great, yeah, and then they didn't bring him out on the field, and I've started to realize when I was looking at it from from the way we've talked through it, yeah, is that uh, Niners are bringing seven every down, yep. Yep. So you need to put Jamal Williams and Ty Montgomery back in there. Yep. You need to take your best running back off the field because he's not experienced enough yet to play in in uh, blitz protection. Yep. Meanwhile, Montgomery and and Williams are. And to Williams' credit, Williams is getting stronger as the season goes. On. Yeah. He played a good game. He Jamal Williams had a great game. Jamal Williams is like so good in pass protection. It, it, it's it's why he continues to play and get huge downs, regardless of his yards per carry, which was a lot better in this game. He had a few great carries for like seven, eight yards, which we really haven't seen a ton of from Jamal Williams, but it's his pass catching and his uh, pass protection that have really uh, elevated Williams into some pretty big snap counts. The, the offense here, you've got, of course... No Geronimo Allison, no Randall Cobb. At times, it seems like they're uh, they're trying to stitch the offensive line together. Balaga was in and out of this game mm-hmm. a little bit. Byron Bell has been playing at guard for Justin McCray, who was c- cited on the sidelines holding a helmet in full pads. He was dressed. Interesting. We saw some but Lucas didn't, Patrick, but action. didn't go in this game. We did see a little bit of Lucas Patrick, mm-hmm. which is uh, which is always a little bit of an adventure. Yeah. When uh, when he gets out there. That is mainly due to seasoning. He's not a revolving door or anything. No. He's just uh, just not a guy with a lot of NFL snaps mm-hmm. under his belt yet. Offensive line is being put together fairly well, but the Niners figured out pretty early on that you've got two or three rookies yeah. out there at wide receiver. You can just bring a bunch of guys at Rodgers mm-hmm. and try to exploit the fact that that connection isn't what it needs to be yet. Yeah. And then by the time you got to the fourth quarter, that burns you. Yeah. Yep. By the time you get to the fourth quarter, 
Rodgers has kind of worked out that connection with some of these guys, and we saw it uh, really on display with uh, Equinemius St. Brown's only catch and target of the night. Oh, it's a beauty. Which is just it, it, uh, stellar. I, I can't say enough about that play. That play was just beautiful, and I think it gives us kind of a hint of what the potential is for some of these guys. I mean, the length and the size of Equinemius St. Brown and the speed of him. I mean, we saw the speed last on display last week against the Lions with the 65-yard catch and run. To pair that with the ability to be aware of the sidelines, lean over the sidelines, make just one heck of a catch, get both feet down, while still, as a rookie, it can get a little bit difficult. We see it a lot where guys get frustrated if they're not getting targeted. If they're playing the whole game, I mean, Equinemius St. Brown got 35 snaps. That's a pretty big chunk. He was in third place behind uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, 66, and Devontae Adams is 63. To get 35 snaps, running 35 routes, and not getting any targets, like that's uh, kind of a little bit frustrating to a young guy. And for him to stick into the game, play his play his role, where he was doing a lot of good stuff in run blocking, and then be able to come up at the biggest time and make that kind of a catch shows a maturity in Equinemia St. Brown to like stay in the game, even if he's not the offensive focal point. Yeah, it seems like Rodgers is... Trusting MVS a lot more. You saw him go there on the yeah. first play of the game on yeah. that that little play action bootleg. And from what I see of, of Valdez Gantling when he's at game speed, I feel like I'm looking at a guy who is going to be a very good possession type receiver. Yeah. But you see him move in the open field and he just doesn't have that that immediate burst. He's got yeah. the height, he's got the size, he can get open. But once you get him get him moving in the field, he does not have a second gear to him. Yeah, it's it's all it, it, he doesn't have the shiftiness and the quick burst of Devontae Adams, where Devontae will just take two steps and be at a hundred percent speed. But when Marquez Valdez Scantling gets going at a hundred percent, I mean, he's just blazing fast. It's it's going to be fun watching them develop because, of course, like they're being leaned on right now, but. Geronimo Allison is going to put pressure yeah. on these guys. Yeah. You know, no one's putting pressure on Devontae Adams. No. He's he's you're going to be your number one guy. They paid him a bunch of money, yeah. which that's still so smart. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it's so, a, it's just looking like a better contract every day. It really it I've, really really is. Devontae Adams is on the caliber yep. of an Odell Beckham Jr. type while getting paid a a modicum of the money. He is so so fantastic and you you get that you get that sort of crappy thing where where sports fans will be like oh once he gets paid he's just gonna drop off you know he's he's not gonna give you the effort like this dude is is playing better this year yeah with a bunch of money on his in his pocket than yeah. he does last year and that's that's exactly the kind of guy that you give yeah. those contracts to yep because they it it's not it's not about that at all. It's, the money's just part of it. Yeah, the money's just uh, just a, a, a thing that a happens. nice benefit that comes with playing football. Yeah, he's he's got the, he's got a particular madness to him yep. that that I can really appreciate. I mean, heck, coming back one the next week after that hit last yeah. last season against the Bears. That's uh that tells you just about what you need to know. But he's been so sharp. Yeah, and. All the attrition that we've seen already in that receiver core, where you're playing, where you're playing three rookies, and Jimmy Graham, who Jimmy Graham had a good game. Jimmy Graham, Jimmy Graham had a great yeah. game. He's starting to be in the, in the spots where you want. He's, but you see these rookies out there, and you still feel all right because you have to bring 
you have to bring Richard Sherman and a safety over top anytime yeah. Devontae Adams yeah. is lining up because you can go short and he's going to make you miss and pick up six yards just almost automatically on that little screen. Yep. He can put double moves on you. He's perfect along the sidelines. He's uh, he's a really, really he's, impressive he, player. He's able to elevate and go above pretty much yep. any cornerback. I mean, we saw that on the game-tying touchdown. I mean, a perfect throw from Aaron Rodgers, but Devontae Adams is able to kind of shimmy him on his route along the sideline, beat him with pure foot speed, and then elevate and make the play. It's it's such a treat. It's it's so much fun to watch. It really it really is. I don't think we've really seen this level of wide receiver play in Green Bay in a while. I mean, prime Jordy, I guess, but I think that's almost a different style. That's it's a. I think it's a completely yep. different style of of wide receiver play from Jordy to this. Yeah, I think I think Adams Adams. His comparison to me is still Terrell Owens. Yeah, no, like prime prime San Francisco 49ers Terrell Owens mm-hmm. is is really where I see Adams as being that guy who does everything, and he doesn't get quite the recognition of Odell Beckham because Beckham is more of a a. More of an outsized personality. Yeah, Devonte Adams doesn't doesn't bring you that same. Uh, isn't like a Dancing with the Stars yeah. kind of vibe. No, that, uh, that Devontae Adams does. is not like doing Fortnite dances and no, everything. No. He's <laughs> there's, a, there's not that. He's football focused. Mason Crosby. Yeah, is, look, is my next uh, next bullet point. Look great. My my, my imaginary bullet point. Yeah, you've got a whole big imaginary spreadsheet right in front of right you. down You're the middle. Right down. Yeah. yeah, no, it's great. Mostly it's just like, hmm, my mouth hurts a little. Yeah. Uh, Do you want me to talk about Mason Crosby? Are good. <laughs> Mason Crosby had a great game. He hit four field goals. and ex- He didn't miss any extra points. He was... Hit everything. He hit everything, and everything was right down the gut, right down the middle. And you know, you just know after a game where against the Lions, the Packers lose by eight, Mason Crosby left 13 points on the field. You yep. know it's coming down to yep. a last-second Crosby yep. field goal. Of course it is. Especially in the first quarter when these teams are swinging back and forth on each other. Like, this is coming down to a kicker, ain't it? Yep. Robbie Gold on the other side, meanwhile, is... Pretty good. And pretty good. Pretty good also. Sucks for the Bears letting him go and then paying $9 million for Cody Parkey. That's really dumb. That's a really dumb decision. That's a really dumb. dumb decision. I... I, in general, kickers fall victim to this, of course. Um, sure. Head coaches fall victim to this. I, I'm such a believer in, in, in playing the long game. Yeah. The Packers are so good at this. Yeah, the Mason Crosby is their leading point scorer. He takes over for their previous leading point scorer mm-hmm. who takes over for their previous leading point scorer at yep. kicker. They get the guys that they think are going to be good long-term investments. Yeah. At quarterback, that's more luck. Yeah, as uh, you know, Andrew Garcia might might scream on Twitter about uh, uh, Packers fans are spoiled rotten. That's that's cool. I'm a I'm a very fancy lad. And I'm very spoiled. Yeah, yeah. No. so that's uh, that's quite all right. But this this willingness to in in positions that require consistency like that to like show consistency mm-hmm. back. Yeah, in that yeah, Packers fans have been howling for Mike McCarthy's head. From years. week one, yep that yeah that he was hired. I mean, I've been, I was howling for Mike McCarthy's head in 2015. Yeah, so <laughs> he's a middle of the road guy. He does not uh, he does not step out very much into he does not take risks very much. He nope. doesn't. But at the same time, you know how many how many real 
clashes have you heard of like Mike McCarthy is clashing with like a star player or a never. talented player? Never. Absolutely yeah. never. I mean, there's always some like made up drama about him and Aaron Rodgers being constantly at ends, but I think it's always manufactured for clicks on certain uh, websites. Start it's with it's pure madness. Cause, yeah. Because if you, if you think for a moment, ladies and gentlemen out there, that Aaron Rodgers doesn't get the play from the sideline and call whatever he wants and at all all times if you don't think a future first ballot hall of famer possibly the greatest quarterback to ever play the position and we we, can't call what he wants we heard about huddling at the line last night he goes they asked him in the interview after the game about the uh the starting play of the final drive where he hands it off to ty montgomery ty montgomery scampers 14 yards yep he goes oh uh david bakhtiari suggested that yeah when it comes down to it, Aaron Rodgers is calling the place. When when it comes down to like any kind of important time in the game, Aaron Rodgers is calling the place. Yeah, I, I I will never subscribe to this idea that Mike McCarthy is holding Aaron Rodgers back. No, I think I think that Aaron Rodgers has a particular personality that is very hard to read from sure. a media standpoint. Yeah, and he well the thing is Aaron Rodgers knows exactly what the media is going to do with everything that comes out of his mouth. Yeah, and so he knows all the frenzies that are going to happen. I do, uh, I mean, sometimes I'm a little bit, I disagree with Mike McCarthy a pretty big amount on uh, personnel groupings, I've found. I think in this game particularly, Mercedes Lewis set his snap record with 22, and almost every time Mercedes Lewis comes into a game, it's a run play. If you see his number on the field, it's a run play almost every time. Yeah, that is... That is, and that is an old school thing. And that's just like an easy tip of I, would, I was watching it at Will's Northwoods Inn, and every time I'd see Mercedes Lewis, I'd be able to go, oh, it's probably a run play to his side. And three out of four times, it was. And so there's a lot of kind of predictability kind of built into a Mike McCarthy offense that we've seen for so many years. Even bring, bringing Joe Philbin back doesn't really seem to have changed the offense all that much. It's such a strange thing with Lewis because when you hear about his signing, you figure like this is the Packers sort of pushing all of their old tight ends out the door yeah. and going like we are going with two veterans and then we're going to fix this problem yeah. through the draft later. Yeah. But instead, you've got Tanyan and Kendricks on the field. More uh, I mean, passing down. How more. is Robert Tanyan getting any snaps? Yeah. You got two snaps in this game. Why is he there? Why, why is, the, is he why there? is this happening? And and I think it it creates a, a specialization where of course like Mercedes Lewis isn't doing anything to not earn snaps. Yeah. He's he's the most like he's the most reliable veteran you can get in free agency. But at the same so you gotta use him. Yeah. He, he's gotta get playing time. You know, undoubtedly he's earning it just through like the way he's playing in practice and the way he's leading the team and, and what he means to that group. But he is a limited skill set. Yeah. Tight end. So don't throw it his way. <laughs> yeah. There's just, there's things you can do. Yeah. That, that they're getting oddly predictable with. It's the same. It's the same thing with, uh, with Aaron Jones is that teams are slowly learning that when Aaron Jones is in, you can blitz. Yep. But meanwhile, if you start playing Ty Montgomery as sort of a hybrid, like split, you know, in high school, they'd call it like if you play him as like a wing, yeah, and pull him back into the backfield and do things like that. Then you start to wonder if you start putting these guys in double duty. Yeah, we and we saw a little bit of kind of a break from 
the monotony of Mike McCarthy's play calls from the first couple weeks into kind of some really creative stuff in the beginning of the first half and throughout this game, really, in general. Um, and so I was pretty pleased with the play calling and, for the most part, the personnel usage in this. We saw a lot more Aaron Jones. We saw more Aaron Jones runs until the second half when the Niners started realizing you can throw seven anytime Jones is on the field. Yep. Because it's either going to be a run or a quick throw because Jones can't provide anything out of the backfield and blocking. This was a classic case of the team that's down and on the ropes coming in on the road. They've got nothing to lose coming in and facing a team that has already shown that they're a little shaky in the Packers. Yeah. Um, the Niners have, have nothing to be ashamed of in this game. Oh, absolutely. Uh, not. Like they really... no name cornerbacks getting beat on a last minute drive by Aaron Rodgers. Like, yeah, yeah, man, that's going to happen. <laughs> that's well, gonna everybody happen gets beat on a last minute drive by Aaron Rodgers. Yep. Like uh, there's hardly a way to get out and survive. If Aaron Rodgers has the ball down one score with a minute left, it just doesn't. <laughs> You gave him too much time. You gave him too much time. You need to give Aaron Rodgers less than 20 seconds. That's the only way you're going to win. Yeah, this the the uh, fi- final drive. No timeouts, a minute seven. Yep. Uh, how about 10 plays, 81 yards? Yeah, and a minute <laughs> and four before the kick. To set up a chip shot field goal. Yep. That was it's, masterful. It's really, it's really amazing. 144 points the Packers have surrendered so far in this season. Sure. 100 of them in the first half. Yeah. 44 of them in the second half. It's uh, the Niners didn't see the end zone. It's it's a game of second half adjustments. Uh, and Mike Patton's been really good at it. Um, and it's something that I've been very happy to see. I mean, especially considering like how many years we saw Dom Capers just not change anything for weeks on end, run the same exact, uh, seemingly running the same exact plays, play after play after play. Running the same coverages, the same complex zones, and just giving up chunks of yardage. I think I think what Petten has done for the casual observer, because sure. I like football, but I'm a casual observer, yeah. particularly in this sequence yeah. of days no. that I'm in right now, where my this brain is the most might, casual that yeah, you'll be. My brain is just candy corn right yeah. at the moment. <laughs> um, it it lets you it lets you judge a little bit more accurately the strengths and weaknesses of the of the players. Yeah. In that you're not what you don't have to understand quite so much about about zone coverages and yeah. odd odd reads and and packages. You can kind of look a little bit more at those three down linemen and tell what they're doing. You can yeah. you can look. Everyone's got a little bit more of a uh, you know a gap assignment in yeah. the front seven, which is it's it's confirming a little bit of what I thought and what we thought coming into the season is that like Matthews is regressing at a alarming rate. Nick Perry is maybe not the player we ever thought he might yeah might be. You don't have a lot of depth beyond that. And you know, but then at the same time we're also confirming the fact that like Kenny Clark is a monster genius. Kenny uh, an animal. Blake Martinez so is becoming one of the best linebackers in the league. Yep. You're getting that clean read on on those sort of things, but it's also just exposing the fact that yeah, this defense is turning it around and on their way to good. Yeah, but I mean, before this coming into this game, they were the number four ranked defense in the league in terms of yardage. I mean, it, it, it the defense is doing things right. Yeah, absolutely, and it's making strides. And I really think that once we see Jair Alexander back on the field and with a healthy Bashad Breland, this secondary could be something special. Yeah. That's kind of what I was coming around to this idea of, you know, you know, the good players are good and you look at the players who are currently 
not playing their best. And they're either guys where you know that in yeah. Matthews. Yeah. Or they're guys who you just have not seen enough NFL snaps yeah. yet. Or, you know, six games into their first season or six games into their, their second season. Yeah. In, in the case of uh, Kevin King, Kevin King just, this is exactly what he needs. He needed to play a whole game. Yeah. And he played a whole game. Yeah, because this is this is a guy who I really think is is going to be a perennial Pro Bowler if he stays healthy. Mm-hmm. He can be he can be one of the greats, but hasn't been able to do it yet. But this one was a stepping stone towards it. We are running down on time. Yeah. So I wanted to make sure if you've got uh, you've got other thoughts and and stuff that you want to want to get out there for us. Um, we saw some kind of interesting stuff with. Jermaine Whitehead popping in and playing a little bit of linebacker, which mm-hmm. I thought was interesting. We've seen him kind of play a nickelback, kind of a slot corner, kind of an extra safety role. And uh, for spurts uh, yesterday, it was yesterday, it was Monday. It so was. It was Tuesday. Uh, he was playing a little bit of linebacker position. We also saw 28 snaps out of Oren Burks, and I was super happy to see that. I'm yeah, very high on news. Oren Burks. So am I. He's just looked really good in coverage, and he just gives you another gear on the from the linebacking position. Um, excuse me. I think a combination of Oren Burks and Josh Jones, uh, hopefully, we'll see someday on the field together. That's That would be good. I, You've got a healthy Josh Jones, and he's not playing. Well, yeah. well, well Kentrell Bryce, meanwhile, is. Yeah. That, that, to me, is, you know, someone, someone has found their way into the doghouse in a way that I don't think the, you know, we're not, we're not going to learn about why. Yeah. From yeah. from here, yeah, uh, things don't come out of Green Bay the way they come out of of other teams. Um, how about uh, how about Crawford on the special teams? James Crawford, number fifty four for the Packers. I don't know if you saw much of him. I didn't see much of him. He recovered the uh, the fumble. Okay, on the oh uh, on the on the kickoff on the kickoff. He made right. a couple of other tackles and special teams. Good. I like this guy. He's he's been a good pickup. Yeah. Um. So just. Want to throw throw that good, out there? Good. Yeah, that was good. That came I, th- that came through the haze last night. Right? Yeah, like, this guy is really good. I'm glad, I'm glad you noticed him a, last night. Player. That's that's some specificity watching yep. the special teams game. Thanks. Well, and, thanks, and, uh, opiate Mike. He's come up like <laughs> once or twice before. Where I've seen him seen him make plays and been like, "Who's 54?" <laughs> Painkiller Mike yeah, really he, grasped onto that one. Usually it's just <laughs> sort of like I'm a little bit pilsnery. Yeah. <laughs> during the Packer games. This one is a little bit a little bit more special, but I thought Crawford is playing. Yeah. Playing very well right now, which is just another reason why he's almost doing Josh Jones what Josh Jones could be doing on special teams is like being a gunner and being yeah. a sure tackler. And now you've got a guy doing that. Seems like it's just at a lot of positions you've got someone else doing what Josh Jones was brought in to do and that's it's alarming but yeah we don't have a we don't have a window into into that yeah we don't know what's happening or what's going on um i want to wrap it up by just saying that i did i did a very cool chicago thing on sunday i went to uh open house chicago oh yeah what'd you do uh we went all around the loop okay and and just we saw the uh the first methodist church we saw the 17th uh, church of uh, christ scientist which is a crazy good building I uh, went to the Hobart and Root architecture firm. Mm-hmm. I did a lot of cool things, but we finished it up by watching the fourth quarter and overtime of the Bears-Dolphins game from the Billy Goat Tavern on Lower Wacker. Oh, oh Billy Goat Tavern in Lower Wacker is really cool. It's really cool. I've, I've gone before. It's interesting. No fries. Cheaps. 
I never, I'd never been. And it was just a great experience to like have some beers and be watching the bears lose yeah. from a, from a classic Chicago <laughs> institution. Ugly loss. Ooh. Oh my uh, goodness. Good teams don't lose games like that. That's all I'm going to say. That, that is a, that is a situation where I brought it up after game one, where I was like sort of salty yeah. about, <laughs> about the bears and, and about, uh, and about Matt Nagy. He just doesn't call good plays under pressure. He doesn't call full games either. No. It, it, I, I Really, outside of the Buccaneers game, I've yet to see the Bears play a full game. Uh, and that's really what holds me back from being like, yeah, this Bears team is good now. I think the Bears are going to take a few years. And I, I, I mean, after the Buccaneers game with that bye week, I was seeing so much like Super Bowl Bears talk. No. And it's just a thing of like, give it some time. It, this is not... This being this good this year is not what the Bears expected. No, no, coming out, I knew they were going to come out strong. I, I figured they would win games this year. The fact sure. that they beat bad teams like the Buccaneers isn't at all like a surprise. Yeah. And the fact that they have trouble playing a full game down in Miami is also not a surprise. Them getting beat by Brock Osweiler because they couldn't dial up anything in the second half. Like that, that to me is, is, is troubling if yeah. you, if you're a Bears fan, which which I'm not, but like the people who are yelling at the TV, yeah, while I was at the Billy Goat work, yeah. and I just I look at that and I compare that with Mike McCarthy, and find myself so glad that you know you yeah Mike McCarthy might have a a more conservative offensive philosophy, mm-hmm. but it's at least it doesn't like turn into a complete pumpkin it's sort of always a small pumpkin instead of going from like sort of a a flaming jack-o'-lantern in the first half to a a A very very small pumpkin pumpkin. yeah in the second half moldy pumpkin that kind of thing where like you can trust mccarthy teams to come out and play better in the second yeah and you can look at the naggy team and go like that's that's why yeah they come out great on their first 15 They always do. That's why you stick. That's why you stick with a coach who delivers winning seasons yep. for you and might not be the flashiest. Uh, a couple of minutes left. You're going to be late to class. Uh, thank you for sticking around and, and waiting. Waiting me out. I got stuck in the world's coolest traffic jam. Yeah, thanks for taking an Uber on over here and surviving, talking through the through the pain. Yeah. If I if I sound a little bit fuzzy, I'm going to go back and listen to this episode. I'm sure in like a month and be like, wow. Yeah. Wow. Neat. Yeah. Great. <laughs> cool. Head cheese head. Uh, Setter. Oh, give me Aaron Rodgers, baby. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> give him Aaron Rodgers. Um, <laughs> he has to be. Uh give me Mason Crosby. Good. Yeah. I've picked him I've picked him a couple of times now. Yeah. Throughout this season, but it's a comeback. Yeah. What he, a comeback. It's a great it's a great story. The story writes itself. Yeah. A a final a final second field goal and just I don't have no idea how you do that as a kicker, how you mentally like get it back yeah. after after the game that he had in Detroit that that's got to be like soul crushing yeah and you know to hear him tell it he's just like I didn't feel right last week but I felt right this week good that's like, fine oh my goodness it's like a pit it's like a pitcher a sure. pitcher has so many weird rituals and sometimes they just feel off and they don't throw a good game a pitcher is just like a kicker all right, that is Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. Uh, the 18th episode of this show is now in the books. We are going to get out of here. We'll be back ooh, next week, actually. We are going to, I'm going to try and stick together a little roundtable episode. Sure. See if we can get a, uh, a bunch of people in. I've been, I've been so busy 
uh, having having teeth ripped out of my mouth with yeah. pliers that I haven't given it quite enough thought yet. But we'll we'll do something fun for the bye week, and then we'll be back the week after that for the recap of Packers at Rams. <laughs> All right. Which uh, I'm excited. If you're wondering, if you're wondering if this team is for real or not, uh, next week's going to tell you a little bit of something about that. But they got to win this week. There, they have a winning record once again, three, two, and one. So thank you for listening to Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. We'll be back next week with something else. And until then, stay cheesy, baby. Bye.